talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. Hello and welcome once again to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 80-year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor, and I'm joined, as always, by the menace from the Midlands, uh, the incomparable Mr. Alan Burke. How are you doing tonight, Alan? I'm good, and I'm still just wondering when I get to give you a nickname. It's, it's, <laughs> I, I have a list, and it's every week it gets longer and longer and longer, and I, I'm not ticking any of those names off it yet, but I'll get there, I'll get there. How are you doing, Rob? How are you keeping? I'm absolutely mighty. I'm vaccined up, ready to go, and I'm hoping that um, I wake up tomorrow and I have superpowers, uh, because I've heard that's <laughs> one, of the, one of the many side effects. Uh, joining us tonight is uh, a friend of the show. Um, he hosts the incomparable... <laughs> Lois and Clarked, the new podcast of Superman. Me and Alan have both guest starred on that show. It's a lot of good fun. Can you welcome, please, Mr. Matt Truex, everybody? Oh, hello. Thank you for that introduction. Can If if he's the menace from the Midlands, can I be like a time fugitive today? <laughs> that sounds that sounds absolutely excellent. Um, Matt, you've, you've alluded to why we brought you on. Tonight, we're going to be talking all about time travel stories that feature Superman. And the reason we've, the reason we've asked Matt on is, um, obviously, Matt, you're from Lois and Clark, the new podcast, Superman. Some of the best episodes of Lois and Clark deal with time travel, uh, specifically Tempest, um, played mm-hmm. by Mr. Lane Davies. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those episodes quickly, Matt, and, uh, and why they mean so much to you? I mean, the, the, like, we'll get into the one, um, the first one that they did, Tempest Fugitive, which is my favorite episode of the entire show. But um, it, it's just this wonderful uh, kind of encapsulation for me of why the show is crazy and why it works. Like the, the first episode, literally H.G. Wells shows up to them, <laughs> Lois and Clark and the Daily Planet and says, like, I've got a time machine, I've got a man from the future, you want to hang out? And from then on, my little, whatever, 10 or 11 year old brain was hooked i was a huge fan of the time machine anyway actually because of this i'm now re-listening to the audiobook of like the original time machine amazing um but just the like it's just the concept kind of kept upping itself a within their own episodes and then b like as hg wells and tempest came back to the show it just got crazier and crazier and there's one miss in between there for me but for the most part they're all wonderful episodes they're more or less original characters, you know, they didn't come up with the concept of H.G. Wells, obviously, but the idea of bringing that into the Superman mythos and, and this character of Tempest is, was just so kind of iconic for that series. So it was just really fun every time he came back. He became almost a secondary Lex Luthor for the show. Yeah, he kind of became sort of like, and they, they kind of position him as the main antagonist in one of the episodes, which didn't really sit well with me. But I think that's the episode you're saying that you don't really like. It's the only one. Yeah, a lot of soulmate. Uh, yeah, weird, weird soulmate dialogue makes it seem like he's been haunting them for all of time, really. But, um, you know, wh- why not? He's, he's just as awful to them as uh, as Lex Luthor. And the thing I loved about him, too, is... A, he's a villain that loves being a villain, and that's my favorite type of villain. Yeah. Um, but B, he he generally, if you look at it this way, he comes in and he challenges 
everything that people that don't like Superman say is dumb about Superman. Yes. And then his episodes prove him wrong. Yeah. And like they kind of prove the concept of the character, the show, whatever you want to call it, in by the end of the episodes or by the end of that, you know, two-parter or whatever it is. So th- that is why I love it too. It just kind of reinforces why Superman is great. Let's talk a little bit about Tempest Fugitive, so because that that is your you've said it on oh okay <laughs> <laughs> you've said it on on Lois and Clark, uh, the new podcast of Superman, numerous times. How it's your favorite uh, episode of of the entire series? What is it about that? What is it about that episode particularly that you you love so much? It it is totally like philosophically, it's exactly what I just said. Of just like this guy comes in and he's just I'll try not to curse. <laughs> oh, <you can> curse away. <laughs> Oh, okay. He's just an asshole. Like he's just a dick, and and he when he realizes that Lois doesn't know that Superman or Clark is Superman, then like it's just the thrill of his life that he gets to ruin this woman's life and leave her back in time and whatever, and tell her that uh, she's an idiot for not realizing that glasses, you know, kept her from Clark and Superman this whole time. And it's it's arguably um, it's arguably like one of the most iconic uh, scenes of the entire series. Like every oh, yeah, everybody knows that scene of of, of the, them in the barn. It births his catchphrase, which is "duh," which they then work <laughs> in for every episode. He comes back somehow. Um, but then, as a kid too, again, huge time travel fan. H.G. Wells is here. They've got a time machine. It kind of looks like the time machine from the '60s movie. Yeah, like, you know, on a on a weekly TV budget it with kinda like little like wicker chairs. Machine. Right, we're going back to Smallville. Smallville is so cool for me. We're seeing the spaceship. I'm obsessed with the spaceship from the show. Anyone yeah. that listens that's listened to my podcast knows that. So it just like truly kept upping itself as it as it went for me as a kid, and it was just this mind blowing thing. Watching it now, the only bummer is that the time travel kind of doesn't make sense at the end. Nope. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. They're working on Back to the Future rules, which are rules I knew as a kid, and you know, like that that all made sense to me. So it's just every part of the episode when it first dropped on HBO this week, HBO Max, that it was an HD. Guess what? The first episode I watched yeah. was you know, like yeah. I just wanted to see this again. I, I think. Go on, no, go on, Rob. Sorry, Alan. I, I was going to say, one of my favorite... I've recently watched the whole series again for the first time in like 10 years. And one of my favorite things about Tempest is... Um, like, Superman is all about freedom and the American way and democracy and everything else. And um, and free will is obviously a big part of what it means to be an American. And Tempest is a perversion of that. And he, like... Totally. Perverts everything about free will. And he's obsessed with, you know, just being able to do whatever he wants. And he doesn't care about the consequences. And he loves guns. And he loves violence and hedonism and all this kind of stuff. And I was there watching it going, what does this remind me of? <laughs> um, and, like, there's, like, as the episodes go on, like, Tempest anyone, uh, they go to this dark alternate timeline where Tempest is um, running for... Is it running, running for mayor or running for president? He's running, running for, for mayor. mayor, yeah. Running for mayor. And, and, like, he's running on very familiar kind of platforms. I have a question. I have a question. I'm going to put you on the spot, uh, Matt. Um, so Tempest Fugitive is the 18th episode of the second season. So it's yes. only about, what, six episodes away from her finding out his secret. I know. Do you think that she should have been left aware of the secret from this point on? Do you think the series would have benefited from that instead of erasing her memory? A hundred percent. Um I like how they ultimately do it, where mm. if anyone's not familiar with Lois and Clark, basically like Clark touches her hair or her face in a certain way. And later on, when like the chips are down and she's got to do a sacrifice play, Superman touches her that way too. And she has like, a, <gasps> yeah. you touch me, you know? And like, I, I like that. I like 
that leads to a proposal at the end of that episode. But like, yes, the my favorite era of the show is when it's a very brief era of the show, like six or seven episodes, but where where she knows and they're kind of dating, maybe they're all on and off again type thing, but they're not engaged yet. They're not really talking about the wedding. Like if that had been a whole, like that's what I wanted Superman and Lois to be when it was first announced, you know, yeah. the new show, yeah. which it's not that it's a good show, but it's not that. Um, I'm sorry. My screen just came on. Um, but yeah, if if she had learned earlier and they got to kind of extend that period of we're not engaged, we're not talking about marriage, we're just kind of dating and figure this out, I would have been all for it. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it is a daffy way for her to find out. It is un- like explain that to someone that missed that episode. Yeah. It's just like, "Oh, she knows now what happened." Well, H.G. Wells showed up, and, you know. Like, but I wonder—is that the reason why? Were they like this H.G. Wells thing might be a little bit too far for fans, so we we may hedge our bets here and maybe give it a more personal, grounded kind of a a, a reveal um, than the H.G. Wells time traveling back to 1966, and you know. Yeah, I mean, I was struck by that watching all these episodes we're going to talk about today. No yeah. spoilers, but like most of them are are you know episodic television. We reset to the normal that we know of the show by the end of it with the exception of Smallville, but Smallville was at a later time yeah. and was, you know, they, they had a longer story that they were telling on that show in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, like I understand why they did it because it's episode television and we got to just set her back and the network didn't, or somebody didn't want her to know. I forget who was fighting for that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I would have been thrilled if she learned that he's Superman back in 1866 <laughs> via Tempest. You know? The only issue I have with the episode is the fact that um, it doesn't really make sense. Well, two things. The first one is that it doesn't really make sense that Clark goes back as Clark and not as Superman when he knows that he's going to be facing, you know, a villain from the future and it won't make sense in front of Lois from change to Superman back in the past. That, and like you said earlier on, Matt, is the erasure of her uh, memory when she returns doesn't really make too much yeah. sense. It makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's just like the mechanics of it is just like she was going like, oh, no bother. I'll drop you off before I first met you. So you won't remember any of this. And, and like my brain's like, well, we're playing Back to the Future rules. So wouldn't that mean that there are two of them in the Daily Planet pulpit? You know, like none of yeah. this makes sense. And they're still who they are. Whatever. We, we've got two minutes left of the episode at that point, so you just gotta get it. You just have to accept it. it, and yeah. But, but yeah, it, let's, let's track some time travel logic through these episodes. As yeah, because it, right. it varies significantly. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll move on to the next episode. Um, will, will we give our, will we give our, uh, our, our, oh, our, yeah. our score out of five? 100%, yeah. Matt, do you want to go first? What? Uh, oh, out of, at, at a, at a five it gets 17 like it's just it's the best <laughs> episode of lois and clark ever so yeah five, five 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 yeah and i have to agree you know despite of any of the little things that don't make sense and um, sprinkle throughout it it's absolutely tip of the spear lois and clark it's it's the best of the best five stars for me too five out of five yeah and uh t- three for three five out of five for me or 4.9888 out of five uh just like a, a decimal point docked for those like minor flaws but like uh, watching lois and clark again part of its charm is that it is so flawed anyway yeah. so yes. you know it's okay for some to have flaws five out of five as my former co-host used to say it's still the show yeah so yeah. like it's not gonna always make sense but um now moving on to something that's completely flawless <laughs> Uh, we're we're I, going I, I, to. 
I, I, want to apologize, I, want, I want to apologize to Matt that before we continue for the episodes of the other shows that we subjected the guys <laughs> to because um, like look there's there's no shortage of things to talk about so let's get into the, 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 the good news is I think we've bookended it with two timeless class timeless timeless totally. classics um, yeah. Hey. yeah the 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 next episode we're talking about is the first color episode of adventures of superman often called the adventures it's actually just called adventures of superman with george reeves it's called through the time barrier uh, and it aired in april 23rd 1955 and the plot synopsis is that a nutty professor uses his time machine to send clark lois jimmy perry himself and a gangster back to 50,000 bc um and the gangster decides he likes prehistoric times <laughs> So what do we make of this, gentlemen? I uh, had to, uh, t- I had to turn it. I, I had to just look at the blank screen um, afterwards for about twenty minutes and kind of <laughs> cradle myself in despair oh, after on. I watched this. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 definitely like thank God I seen some of the other episodes of the George Reeves show because if if this had been my first taste of it, I would have never gone back to it. To be honest with you, it's it's uh, it's a tough one. Uh, same. I, I I'm amazed to learn it was the first color episode. I figured it you know it was middle of the season or whatever. But that's that's craziness. Yeah, it it it's rough. It's not it's not that great an episode. There are some like classic TV great episodes of the show. So I don't want to go down mm. on it, but it, it or get down on it. But it it was it was tough. My favorite part of it though was listening to that nutty professor the whole time going. Yes, like, I know this voice. Me too. Yeah. Why do yep. I know this voice? And it's Sterling Holloway. It's Winnie the Pooh takes Superman yeah. and Lois back in time. It blew my mind. Yeah, it was about it was about halfway through the episode before it. I it just to, to, I was very close to checking it on the phone to see who this guy was, and then out of nowhere, like a bolt out of the blue, it just hit me that it was Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> yeah, same. Like the voice, I didn't know the actor's name, but I'm just like, if that guy says "Oh bother," I'm, I'm sure it's you know. <laughs> Come and come along into my time machine. Um, yeah, exactly. he, he, he's in loads of episodes as well. Um, he, he plays kind of a mad scientist in a bunch of episodes, but I don't think he has the same name. I feel like he's called Professor Pepperwinkle or something like that. In, um, but yeah, suffice to say, like anyone who listened to our previous episode Men- on Menace from the Stars, I'm a huge fan of this show. I love the George Reeves series. Um, but I think you fi- you tend to find that once the color episodes come along, uh, the quality dips quite a bit and it, it gets very, very campy and kind of kiddy in, in a bad way. Um, and like the thing that always annoys me about the George Reeves show is they're just so dead set on every single villain being a gangster. <laughs> like every single yeah. one. <laughs> like there's no room for, you know, rogue mad scientists. Like there's no Lex Luthor, obviously. There's no kind of, right. you know, evil capitalists or like loads of the other. There's no aliens. There's no robots for superman to punch or anything it's just always always gangsters and they're always you know they always have a grudge against clark kent because he writes stories about them and he he sent them up to the river you know years ago or whatever and sure they're they're always people who like run the whole town even though we've met 50 other people who've done that and it's just <laughs> and yeah the, the gangster in this his whole thing is that when they that so winnie the pooh goes oh come along and check out my invention <laughs> they go back in time for no reason and the gangster decides, oh, I, I really like this. I'm, I'm not a wanted man in this time. So I think I'll just take over. And you're like, you're going to take over this shitty kind of like caveman time. It's, it's like Lex Luthor in Superman Returns with his 
Kryptonian <laughs> rocks that he's like, oh, this is advanced alien technology. It's like, no, it's not. It's an okay yeah, old rock. Yeah, you can rock. have it, dude. Yeah. But it's just the know. fact that when the, like they're, they're sent back, this nutty professor approaches them in an elevator. They're they're all in this elevator and they're going the this gangster. world's head. biggest elevator, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this gangster has basically decided to turn kind of state's witness or something and he's he's confessed to Clark and they're, they're going to go back and they, they, they meet the professor and he decides that he's going to bring them back in time. Clark somehow comes up with prehistoric times, not believing, you know, that this is a real thing. And they're sent back to 50,000 BC. The professor has no plan on how to get back. And nobody seems that worried about the fact that they have been transported 50,000 years into the past. They're all fairly kind of calm about it. Like, it's the gangster is kind of like at one point, the gangster turns to Jimmy and asks him to put out a newspaper. In 50,000 yeah, BC yeah, yeah. on rocks. And I'm like, what am I watching here? What is going on? Oh, you know, tell them, see, tell them I'm taking over. Like, what? what is that like? What's what's going on? And it's just, it just kind of goes down. You have the cave, the cave people turn up. The woman is wearing kind of mascara and lipstick and stuff. Her yeah, and like a quick. beautiful bouffant hair. The whitest hair. cave people you've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. <laughs> the, gangster, the gangster goes off and gets some caveman clothes, but the caveman clothes are like perfectly tailored. And then they come up with this, MacGuffin of having to get this kind of special metal that's going to fix the machine and send them it's back a, to the future. It's so funny. Uh, is it Prometheum it, X or something? Or, or No, it's not. It's like it's Calorithium something or something, some mad made of I have it here. Caborium X. Caborium X, which can only be found in a meteor. So thank God Superman can fly. And even just the fact that Superman turns up back there, like Clark was transported back and Superman turns up and there's no kind of you know yeah. what, what's going on here don't worry about it don't even worry about it <laughs> and i love it it's it's very much like the panic from the skies um episode rob that we covered where he just flies up to the meteor and it's basically a wall and he just picks up a piece of metal and flies off yeah. again and you can hear the birds <laughs> on the it, california gravity hills. yeah everything's fine this is the second uh, also, this is uh, the alan thing, just like, mentioned our panic in the sky episode if it, my my highlight in podcasting is alan just losing his mind to the absurdity of lois Jimmy and Perry not recognizing Clark with his glasses off. And Alan, Alan off. wanted to throw his DVD into the fire watching that. And I kept getting more angry. At the, like, I, I started off a little bit peeved about it. But then the more that I thought about it and talked about it, I got angrier and angrier as we recorded the episode. <laughs> yep. Go back and listen to that if you haven't already. It's, it's a riot. But yeah, it's, um, it's look, again, you, you, have to, you have to put it in the time. Like I say before about uh, these things, you have to put it in the time that it was made. And you have to kind of say, look, they had 22 minutes or whatever they had or 24 minutes to make this and they had no budget but still the writing is really really bad on this one right and they probably had like four hours to shoot it because they were shooting those so fast you know yeah 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 um, um will we just give our markings for this one straight up because i, I don't think i just i just have to say about it i have two final things one one thing i would oh. like to say is um we see superman uses heat vision in this episode which is very very rare on the george reeves show oh, now right, they, okay. they call it they call it his X-ray vision because in the at that point in the comics, they just called it his X-ray vision when he was doing heat vision stuff. The, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys, so George Reeves' suit is different now because they're shooting in color. So this is right. the first time he wears the color suit. What did you guys think of George Reeves' suit in this episode? I liked it. I, I, to be honest, I didn't notice any difference um, from the black and white episodes. But um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was perfectly. I, I remember commenting in the last episode that I noticed that it was kind of a, like a woolen suit. Um, yeah. But I, 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 don't, yeah. I don't know if that's the same. Was that the same in this? 
Um, I think I think it's made from like a thicker material or something, and definitely the padding underneath okay. is different. Uh, what did what do you think of it, Matt? Yeah, I kind of had the same thought. Like it's always just looked like a sweater that he's wearing, basically, to me with the, with a cape attached. It's not too different from Perry White's like long underwear that he's wearing oh. under his his caveman costume there God, for a bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't notice anything like quote unquote off about it. But again, I haven't watched this show since we did our Panic in the Sky episode yeah. years ago. So I I I don't know. I, the reason I bring it up is, as a kid, the color suit really bothered me for some reason. I thought the padding looked really bulky and really strange and just kind of, mm. it just looked really odd. But watching it now, I was like, no, that, that, that looks pretty cool. And I think the reason for it is I'm so used to Tyler Hecklin's weird suit that he wears, <laughs> where he's got those like enormous shoulders and his tiny little head just poking out of it. Little tiny head. Um, I, I love that show, but they've they've got to fix the suit. So just get the Max Fleischer one all the time. That's what oh, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 down with that. Was Clark always? I know it's the fifties. I understand that. Was Clark always so mansplaining in these episodes? Oh, one hundred percent. There's a lot of like, oh, Lois. You stupid woman! Don't even worry about that. It's clearly, Superman's touched the meteor, so I'm sure he's fine. Oh yeah, yeah he, he he had exposed. I have wrote here, he had, written here. He had exposure to the neutral isotopic rays of the Caborium X, which meant that he could you not travel down through time. All the garbage. Good for yes. you. <laughs> that's that's the stuff they put in the COVID vaccine, Alan. Did you know that? <laughs> Can neutral I back isotopic in rays. Yeah. Oh yeah, probably. Um, no, Matt, though, th- what I did notice uh, watching the show the first time, in the first season, when you have Phyllis Coates as Lois Lane, she's very mm. much kind of, like, comparable to, like, the Terry Hatcher Lois or, mm. you know, the the, re- the real kind of modern go-getter Lois who's going in and she doesn't take shit from anyone. Or, but then they bring in Noelle Neal in season two and she's just, like, a second Jimmy. She's just completely yeah. subservient um, to Clark, just has to have everything explained to her, just gets in the way that, all though, the time. Not only that, though, but she's... She, I find her mean, sometimes she she's kind of like she she says things to people like she says to the professor here in the elevator she's he's trying to explain the 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 time machine and she's like oh that's very interesting now why don't you go and bury it somewhere or something like that i just find that she comes off really (laughs) you fucking nerd really mean (laughs) you know um but i definitely prefer phyllis coates over um over 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 noelle neal's version and it's nothing to do with the actress at all it's just it's just the way the character was i think um, yeah. What one scene I really did um, like that I kind of clung to a little bit was I liked the fact that uh, in the cave at one point Clark has just decided that he's going to reveal who he is. He's like, "There's no point now. What's the point of this charade?" Uh, yep, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that's kinda, really cool. That bit. He yeah. goes. He goes to unlo- He goes to loosen the tie and open the shirt, and the next thing, Lois, her own worst enemy, opens kind of her mouth and interrupts him, and then he decides to tie the tie back up and move on. But yeah. I really, I really liked it. I really thought that was a nice little. That was kind of the little nugget that I enjoyed in this in this episode. And it was, of course, like right when they get the information that they might be able to get out of it. Yeah. And they turn back like, Clark, what were we going to say? Oh, that time's passed, really. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. To get into that it. was the one positive I had. I, I enjoyed that little scene. It made me smile. Um, I, I Actually, just one last thing before we move on. I was reading recently, <laughs> if you look at the, the older episodes of the show, sometimes you can see that the the Superman suit has stains on it. Like, And I always thought that these were just like oh. sweat or something coming through. But apparently what it actually is was uh, George Reeves' girlfriend, Tony Mannix, the infamous Tony Mannix. Check out Hollywoodland if you haven't already. But um, she used to bring him a vodka martini with his lunch every day they were filming. And he'd spill a vodka martini on his Superman suit. (laughs) 
that's a whoops. Oh, the 50s. Yeah. That's a bummer. So love, I think we can it. probably move on on that. Oh, man. <laughs> so, Matt, we'll start with you. Um, do you want to give your oh, out of five rating? First, uh, as far as a, like, I'm just going to holistically look at this as a Superman story. It's got all the characters in it, but they're not really given much room to act like the characters, whatever. I'm going to go with two. I'm sorry. There's better episodes of the show for sure, but this is this is not one of them. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Rob? Um, I am going to go with three uh, space-time continuums only because, <laughs> uh, I first of all, I know how good this show can be. There are five-star episodes for me. This is obviously not one of them, but I am grateful that it exists and they, they did push the boat out a little bit. We're seeing very, very different sets to what we usually see on the show, you get so, so sick of seeing that Daily Planet set. Of just that really basic room in in like this show. So it's cool to kind of just freshen it up, see something a little bit different and, you know, do, do some science fiction for fucking once on this show. There's so little of it. So for that, I'm giving it three. Now it's relentlessly flawed, obviously, as we've discussed, but um, I'll give it three for that, yeah. Yeah. I, I will say if you have three time continuums, I'll say I have two... Uh, suitcase time machine. <laughs> okay. And Matt, there's no need to feel worried. I'm giving this a one star. I think this is oh, awful. Oh, wow. I think, this, I think this was awful shite, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I struggled with it from the start. And the only the only reason I'm giving it the star is because I like the, I like, I like like George Reeves. I like the little scene where he's going to reveal his identity. But other than yeah. that, I thought, like, if you're, if you're going to watch, um, I'm never watching this episode again. And if anybody's watching the series, and again, I don't want to dump on the series because there are some yes, really <laughs> good episodes. Um, and thank God, like I said, that I've seen previous episodes before I saw this one. Because if this had been my introduction, I would have been like, oh, God, I, I'm not going to be able to watch 20 more episodes of this. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a one star for me. I, 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 mm. I think it was awful. Um, it's also good. it's just I mean like it's what your whole show is about but it, it is cool to do this type of thing and just watch this basic concept of time travel go yeah. all the way back to the 50s to the first TV show they might yeah. have even done it on the radio show I don't know uh, obviously they've done it in the comics a lot but it's just so cool it's it's nice to kind of take that into consideration when we're looking at these episodes of like it wasn't for us but no. if we were nine years old back in 1955 or whatever yeah. when this came out yeah. it would have been for us guys Absolutely. you know yeah. like, it would have been cool yeah and you know we have to yeah we have to preface this like we're we're, we're looking at it in 2021 we're all in our you know 30s here it's it, it we're, we right. weren't the audience that it was made for 60 years ago um mm-hmm. and you know maybe at the time i would have given it a higher marking but as of a viewer today no i i can't i can't i can't can't justify it any higher than that. Um, so our next show uh, is uh, the oft mentioned on this podcast, the the, the Superboy show. Uh, this is the season one. I will preface this one more time by saying there are episodes of Superboy I really like, especially in the third season and the fourth season. This is not one of them. <laughs> the episode's name is Hollywood. Um, it aired. Give me one second, everybody. It aired in thirteenth of May, nineteen eighty nine. It is only 22 minutes long. Uh, it was directed by David Nutter, who yeah. we'll talk about in a second. And Blew my mind, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the plot synopsis is Professor Zugar invents a time machine and sends himself and Superboy back in time to Hollywood in the 1930s. Superboy meets a famous actor, Victoria Latour, and discovers, drum roll please, that she is being stalked by men who want to kill her. 
Um, Alan, I know you're going to have an awful lot to say about this episode because I know you're a huge Superboy fan. So why don't you take it away first? <laughs> well, again, I just want to apologize to our good friend, friend of the podcast, uh, Sam Rizzo, before I absolutely yeah. tear his, his favorite show apart for, <laughs> oh, the, for, no. for, the second, for the second time on this podcast. And again, very similarly to The Adventures of Superman that we just spoke about, I have seen better much better episodes of superboy now look to be honest um we we've said it before rob superboy isn't a show that we grew up with we didn't have any nostalgic love for it or anything like that but i have seen like um episodes like that um no thine enemy and roads not yeah, taken and stuff are much much better than this this is this 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 just isn't that good um but again it's not a reflection of the whole show the whole show is not as as bad as this episode but yeah so it's just <laughs> It's just awful shite. <laughs> um, this is going to be that's that's my that's. We really do like Superman. Like all of yeah, us, yeah, we do. A we lot do. Of our free we time do. to like Superman. Yeah, look, it's 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 basically what happens in this. Well, I'll just give a, a quick run through. Basically, what happens is uh, there's a black there's a kind of blackout in the city. Superman arrives at a laboratory. There's a, a, a professor there or a doctor there. He's working on a time machine. He kind of tricks Superboy into <laughs> this guy is the worst actor I've ever seen. Yeah, by the way. <laughs> he he. Uh, he he tricks Superboy into using his heat vision to power the machine, and they're sent back to nineteen thirty. Well, the the doctor is sent back to nineteen thirty eight, um, Los Angeles, and the um and Superboy sent back to nineteen thirty nine, Los Angeles. Now, the one thing that I really do like about it is I do like seeing Clark in his nineteen thirties, nineteen forties getup, um, the suit, the the shirt, the suspenders, the fedora. And um, that's a nice little thing to to see him back. Like 1939 is pretty much the you know the year after the the action comics number one came out, so it, mm. it's right back at at Superman year one. Um, and I and I did enjoy that, but the plot doesn't really kind of go anywhere. It's really no. paper thin. Um, like that he 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 comes upon this um homeless woman, this kind of vagrant lady. <laughs> She's being attacked. She's being attacked. I know why Matt's laughing because I heard it as I said it. <laughs> I'll record that. I'll say that again. He finds this homeless person, this vagrant lady, and uh, like she's been chased down by these kidnappers. We don't really know what they're like. Do they want to murder? I still don't know what they're doing. I still don't know who they're after. Like, are they looking to murder? Watch the episode twice. Yeah, are they looking to to kidnap her? We we don't know. The wrong person to rob. Yeah, and and uh, Superboy comes to a rescue in this really kind of clumsy choreographed fight that they that they kind of do and. it kind of switches then Superboy goes back to the professor because he, the, the professor has ri- written Superboy on the top of a shed and he that was kind of fun in. I like that yeah I like that too. and again like the first episode like the like the Avengers Superman there's kind of this MacGuffin where he has to find like a computer chip or an early version of a computer chip to fix the machine and while he's doing that he kind of goes back and he has kind of this connection with this actress who kind of has a has, has a soft spot for him and he has to kind of foil these kidnappers or these murders attempt to take her um, and it, it's just it's just very thin. It's 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 just not great. Um, it doesn't really go anywhere. There's no explanation for why these guys want to take this woman. There's no explanation for why she kind of likes Clark. Um, and it's kind of over then before before you know it, you know. Um, and it, it ends with Superboy obviously saving the girl, fixing the time machine. It turns out the doctor's kind of trying to pull a Superman the movie Lex Luthor's property scam, <laughs> where he's buying up all this 1939 real estate in the hopes that he'll make a fortune off it in the future. And Superboy kind of gives it back to uh, the, the, this guy who helps them with the with their computer chip or whatever to get the to get back to back to the future. And then. 
he returns back to Metropolis uh, present day 1987 or whatever year it is and this lady has passed away of old age and she's left a huge amount of money to Schuster University which is the university that Clark and Lan and everybody go to and you can kind of see this kind of you know look of recognition or thanks as he looks at her photograph and it kind of comes to an end there but yeah I just it was much of it was just it was just shite <laughs> can, can i can i ask matt i know it's it's been mentioned before that you've never seen this show before is this your first time ever mm-hmm. your first episode this is my first <gasps> outing with superboy oh wow uh, tell us what did you think <laughs> oh i don't think and you rob what did you think no i forget yeah it, it was tough like i i would watch another like if you guys suggested a certain episode that was more comic booky or whatever like hmm. i know um i don't know if the mitzius pislik episodes are good but like you know, nope. you know i'd watch something like that <laughs> getting a head shake um no i just it just felt like what it was it was very cheap it was very thin again plot wise like i i kind of watched i watched the adventures one first and was like oh that was rough well at least so this will be better i'm like oh we, we really haven't you know taken storytelling with this character forward all that much in the last whatever 30 years between them um yeah i just i it's just kind of thin all of it was was rough my favorite part predictably for me was figuring out where they were filming this yes yes because they open up first of all it's interesting to me that like all the time machines in these shows inexplicably can move you in space too like you know hg wells takes you from metropolis to smallville and this one takes you to from florida to hollywood whatever yeah but he wakes up on in front of like roman's chinese theater and i'm like that's not it you know looking around it i'm like this isn't really Grohman's. they would never have also like spent the money to to shut it down so that they could spend the show and i'm going through my head i'm like what backlot would have had Grohman's? i'm like oh my god is this MGM Studios in Disney World? And sure enough, this was like the first show, first TV show to use MGM Studios as an actual backlot. And they use like, you know, so they're in front of the great movie ride, essentially, when he shows up at Romans. Like, that's just, that's kind of wonderful to me. Um, And the way they do, there's like a forced perspective shot where he's walking through this tiny bit of a city. And like, that was just... That was just a photo op in this theme park, you know, that yeah. you could go to. It's probably still there. So, like, that type of stuff, I really did enjoy the the production values and the, the behind the scenes of it all. But, like, it's just kind of easy. There's, like, four thugs and one lead thug. And when they're fighting Superman, like, you know, you, you or Superboy, excuse me, you try bullets first. And then the thug just keeps throwing his lackeys at him and being like, oh, shucks, that one didn't do it either. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just kind of that, that mentality of it all. I am... Um... I, I, I was looking forward to talking to you about this because I, I remember this one even from a kid and thinking that just looks like a theme park. And sure enough, it is a theme park. They filmed all of Superboy on MGM Studios and then they moved to Universal Studios for the... Nuts! Yeah, for the second... I think from the second season onwards, they're in Universal Studios. And again, there's a couple of episodes like this where they, they just show off all the kind of old-timey sort of... Uh, Road's Not Taken, actually, Alan, the alternate mm-hmm. universe one. They go to an alternate universe with an evil Superboy, and uh, it's like this kind of film noir 1930s kind of look to it, yeah. and it's clearly just Universal Studios. Um, That's funny. But again, like I said, when we recorded the um, the, the, the previous episode where we covered the Superboy's, uh, Superboy Lost, like, again, I really do appreciate the, you know, 22 minutes, no budget, yeah um, 22 no, minutes yep. you know what i mean nothing. nothing for special effects you know there's there uh, one thing and again like that episode 
I love the suit. I think they arguably have better wire work in this than in Lois and Clark. Th- th- there's no argument there. They oh, have probably. much better wire work in this show than in Lois and Clark. It, it's not on display in this episode, no. but I trust you. Yeah, because I think a lot of the Superman, the movie, the, the, the people that the Salakines use, am I right, Rob, kind of came over and, and worked with the wire work in this? Yeah, th- there's a few people that came over. I think uh, Elia must have cut a deal <laughs> to, to, to do some work on the cheap because across Someone the whole series... Someone did not get paid. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. There, was a, there was a work experience on the set of Superman the movie and they gave him a $50 stipend to work on Superboy. What did you think of the um, Superboy actor himself, Matt? What did you think of, of, of John Newton? Uh, I wasn't all that impressed by him or didn't really have a strong feeling of him either way i wanted to ask you guys is this do people like john newton you said do people like him more than the second guy or like what is the general like fan feeling on which one was better for for people who really love the show the consensus i always hear is that the second guy is much better jared gerard christopher i guess you'd call him gerard Um, christopher oh that name i've heard more than but Newton. but okay. I personally like I I think John Newton is a little bit wooden a little bit flat sometimes but I think overall you can see him kind of getting better as an actor as the series went on. He also looks the age he's supposed to be playing which is a big he's a, <laughs> he's supposed to be 19 in this and I think John Newton was 21 at the time so that's fine. He looks like Superboy as opposed to Superman. Alan as you said it's... the costume is perfect. Mm-hmm. Um but Ger- Gerard Christopher comes in in season 2 and he does an impersonation of Christopher Reeve including the bumbling Clark. And it just goes to show how badly you need a really good actor to pull that off because Gerard Christopher, God love him, please come on the podcast. He's not Christopher Reeve. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's a lot. That's all I'll say. Yeah, and to be fair, I, to, be, to, be fair to to um, Gerard Christopher, he did have a lot longer in the role. He had he had three seasons, um, yeah. I think, and, and, and John only had the one before um, he, he, he was let go or he quit or I think that's kind of in dispute what happened, but before he left the, the, mm. the production. Um, but like you said there, he he definitely looks more the part than um, Gerard Christopher does. Like he he does look like he just walked off the pages of a John Byrne comic. Um, uh, to be fair to him, and perhaps he would have improved uh, greatly over time if he had been allowed. Because there's definitely an improvement between the start of the series and the end of the series. You can see that he's he has improved over the space of one series. So I could imagine that that would have continued um, over the following seasons. You know. Um, one last thing on him, and then one just straight thought. Uh, I was impressed, or I was just kind of noted, I guess, that he's he's nineteen in this. He's supposed to be Clark. Yeah. He carries himself with more bravado mm. than that. Like as Superboy, he's a little more no nonsense than I thought he'd be. Yeah. I thought he'd be a little more like, well, gee, sir, I didn't think you know. Well, I guess I could help you, Mister Scientist. But he's like, hey, you're fucking up the city. Like, stop. You know, yeah. like just turn it off. So I, I kind of liked that strength he brought it as superboy Mm. like that was interesting to me um it is crazy to me that this came out in may of 20 or 1989 and literally it it, it makes sense to me why tim burton's batman which came out a month later was so revolutionary if Mm. this was kind of typical superhero fodder at the time where they've got no money to do this maybe the wires look good maybe the suit looks just like the movie but otherwise it's kind of flimsy yeah and then and then Batman 89 happens and you've blown your mind at how much money they've put on screen and how much print there is, you know? Yeah, yeah. You um, can see the influence Batman 89 had on this show. Like, it's it's like a light switch goes off. Really? It, oh, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. But when you get into season three, every episode, nearly every episode is at night. 
um, they, they have that kind of timeless feel to it where there's a lot of like 1940s influences even though it's clearly yeah. the 80s there's mm. loads of film noir in it like it, it gets much much better in season 3 it's always a it's always a low budget cable kind of syndicated show that was designed for a particular audience but it, it does get a lot better I think interesting yeah and I, I like even some of the other actors I like um, uh, Stacey Haddock who plays the um, who plays Lana Lang um, I don't know if I pronounced her name right there um, but I think, it's, plays, I think it's High Duke yeah High she's, Duke she's really good who, who plays who plays Lana Lang throughout the entire run of the series she's very good and she's still a strong um, um, advocate of the show like she she turns up at Metropolis I think uh, Sam interviewed her recently at um, at the, the Metropolis celebration Superman celebration and stuff you know so Oh, that's cool. There is there is a fan base. There is a fan base for it, and it does get it does get a lot better. You know, it it does. It never reaches the heights of, for me, definitely for me, Lois and Clark. It doesn't reach the heights of Lois no. and Clark or, or come next or near it. Um, but it, it it does vastly improve over these episodes. Very very cool. cool. Will we give yeah. our um, mark out of four out of five? Yeah, let's go. Matt, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I'll say that this was. I mean, again, holistically, this is. I'm going to give it two great movie rides. <laughs> um, let me think here now. I'm, I'm going to give it uh, two toilet bowl sized fedoras out of five. <laughs> that, that, I know you were saying you really liked his 1940s get up, Alan. I just, I thought the fedora they had him in was ridiculous. It was massive. Was it gigantic? I it was <laughs> enormous. I, I don't know where they're trying to just, you know, the fact that he's supposed to be a boy, he's supposed to be younger, therefore the fedora sure. looks bigger on his head. I just thought it looked so ridiculous. Well, I was trying to think, is this the last time that Clark Kent has worn a fedora in live action? Ooh. Goodness gracious. I think he it might have done it in the noir episode of Smallville. He, I, I, I wonder that myself. No, I haven't. I meant to look up before I before we came on, but I don't have a memory of him wearing a fedora in, in noir. Maybe he did. Maybe he did, and I'm wrong. But I have a funny feeling that this could be. That's crazy. That's cool. Because I know Chris. Because yeah, like in in my mind's Chris eye, I can him. see Brandon Routh wearing one, but I know he didn't wear one in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just that's just something. Um, I I should look it up before I came on, but it's just something that I wondered when I was watching. I was. I was like, I don't, like, Dean Cain never wore one. I don't, no. you know, Tyler hasn't worn one yet. Brandon Routh hasn't worn one. Uh, Henry Cavill definitely hasn't worn one. So unless unless it's Tom Welling in that one episode of uh, of Smallville, this would have been the last time that um, that Superman or Superboy or Superman Clark Kent has worn a fedora uh, in live action. Um, I'm giving it, uh, what am I giving it? I'm giving it one, one kidnapper. One, one kidnapper kid. slash murderer <laughs> slash I don't know what this guy's motive is. I'm giving it another one. It's on. I think it's on par. Like you said, Matt, and it was a great point. It really isn't a hell of a lot better than the Adventures of Superman episode. I don't think it. it, it it's it's yeah. really on the same level. So I I can't really justify it now. Again, I could be more kind because this, I do like the suit. I do like the 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 wire work and stuff. Even though it's not really on display in this episode. But yeah, again, I, I'm never watching this episode again. I think there. I think there's one impressive wirework shot in this that where I was kind of like that. That that would be on the upper end of what you'd see in Lois and Clark, but that's just like typical for Superboy. Every episode has wirework like that. Yeah, so yeah. Because I, I that, was very impressed with the wirework in uh, in Superboy Lost in that episode that we watched, and in in other episodes that 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 we've seen when we watched um, um, 
know that enemy and that I was very impressed with the wire work and that and that's yeah. one thing about Lois and Clark I hated when they got to those kind of episodes where he'd do the you know kind of George Reeves jump Cape off springboard yeah. and flap your cape into the corner like the wire work I, I, I love practical effects and I, I you know good wire work is just a, is, a, is an art form Matt we'll definitely send you some some quote unquote good episodes to watch I, I will say I, w- I would check out more yeah I, I think all the Bizarro episodes are quite good the first two with them aren't great but after that all the Bizarro episodes are actually pretty great like they get Bizarro really really right in this show the mixes yeah. pillix episodes i'd probably avoid them metallo okay. episodes i'd avoid them um Ooh. most of the How's lex luther in this do they have a luther that they, is a they have the worst lex question. luther ever in the first season oh no and then in the second season they bring in sherman howard who is wonderful he he basically just okay. kind of he he kind of plays it like jack nicholson's joker but in a, in a good way and um Pretty much every episode he's in is good, especially again in the third and fourth season. There's an episode in the fourth season called Know Thine Enemy, um, and it goes yeah. into Lex Luthor's origin, and it's one of the best Lex Luthor it's, stories ever. I absolutely. How love many it. seasons did this show go? Four. It, it had four seasons. There's more episodes of Superboy than there is of Lois and Clark. There's a hundred episodes no of this. No shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that episode, that okay. that know that uh, that known that enemy episode where he goes into Lex Luthor's mind is really and like that uh, the Sherman really um, hams it up, but in a, in a good way in this kind of Silver yeah. Age kind of classic way where it's really enjoyable. That the actor I, I I don't know his name who played Lex Luthor in the first season. I remember when I watched the first episode when you sent it to me, Rob, and I was uh, I, I Zach the Morris pilot. is the name's actor. Zach Morris and uh, <laughs> what? Like Saved by the Bell. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. But it, that's that's. It's literally like a character from Saved by the Bell. He's just this really, really awful actor. It's so bad. Him. Like he, the performance oh, is so bad that his first lines I had to rewind and watch again because <laughs> it, it was it was literally the worst piece of acting I'd ever seen put to screen. Um, and we live in a country that shows Fair City as a soap opera, so I can't. You know, yeah. like that's uh, that says a lot. But it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's it it really does get a lot better. And like like uh, Rob was saying there, like the 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 Sherman does a great great job i love he really brings a lot to it a, a real gravitas yeah. to it i really cool. really enjoy his performance oh and mind games oh mind games is such a good one superboy and lex Luthor got stuck right. in a mine for the whole episode it's great that's all um oh, that sounds like the smallville episode it there's a there's a lot of weird kind of similarities between smallville and superboy Interesting. okay um right. cool. we move on we we shall move on uh we are now going to cover uh the hundredth episode of smallville um which is a little known show from the wb and the cw it ran for i yeah, believe it kind of came and went it kind of came and went i think it lasted three seasons was it uh-huh. um something like that um i i suppose that this is our first time discussing smallville on the show at all so oh, i'm glad to be here yeah for it. it is it is I was, I was only just thinking that myself it is we've never discussed smallville before so th- this is the 100th episode of smallville um, and the plot synopsis is that Clark reveals his secret to Lana. Um, Jonathan and Lex learn the results of the senatorial uh, election. And there's a tragic car accident on the highway that takes the life of someone Clark loves, forcing Clark to appeal to Jor-El for help. So there's an awful lot going on in this episode. Um, do you want to take it away, Matt? I, I, I think you're going to give this a, a good review. Oh, 100%. Like that, that synopsis doesn't even get into the fact that after someone dies on the highway, there's then time travel and we do yes. the whole episode over again and change the course of the show forever. Um, this is one that like didn't really strike me too much when I first watched it as a kid. Now, like, let me be clear too. Like, Smallville started when I was 11 years old 
and ended when I was 21. So, mm. like, I watched the entirety of the show for the wow. most part, um, you know, live and, and really kept with it. And this is this is about halfway through the show. Um, and they, they thought it was closer to the end than the... Excuse me. <clears throat> they thought it was closer to the end than it and actually wound up being, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, I I was so impressed. I went back and watched this for... Um, friend of all of us, uh, Zach Moore's podcast, uh, Patreon at the time, always hold on to Smallville, um, and was so impressed by the writing, the production, the acting in this episode. I mm. think all of the cast is just like at their A game. Um, I think it's kind of, it'll always be strange to me when when Kryptonite tech, or when Kryptonian technology is basically like, like god level magic like yeah the fact that the time travel here comes from Jarrell and the fortress of solitude is is still kind of weird to me but that aside I, I, truly like i could talk about every one of the leads especially the main three especially clark lana and lex in this episode i think they're all phenomenal um and then it ends with the death of jonathan kent which is kind of a classic move since superman the movie for mm. for some of these stories i like you know i'm coming from lois and clark i love having the kents around in their yeah. old age to yeah. be the sounding board for him but if you're gonna do it do it in the hundredth episode make it count do the heart attack thing which they did in this episode it's a little more dramatic here than it is in the movie you know we can talk about it but i i just i think it hit as far as what they wanted to execute in this episode everything knocked it out of the park for me yeah i think yeah i think that's 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 fair definitely um did you want to give your thoughts on and then i'll jump in sorry i talked for so not long at all. No, no, not absolutely. that's what it's um, all about yeah uh, to be honest we, me and rob spoke um the other day and rob was like oh do you do you like the episode and i was like oh no i don't but to be honest i was completely thinking of the wrong episode i i thought this was when <laughs> time travel i thought this was noir that we were covering. Oh, that's not a good no. Idea. Until I until I stuck it in the machine, and yeah, I'm going to have to take Matt's uh, side on this, uh, Rob. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to uh, cross to the to the other side because I watched it. I only watched it there the other night, and um, I was really impressed with it. Now I have a real love hate Smallville is like the girlfriend that cheated on you in high school to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, explain. Like, what? I okay. I was so in love with it, you know. <laughs> I was planning our future together and then it just turned on me at some point and I, 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 I can't, I can't, I've, I've really, I just I haven't want to, see, I, I'm not checking its Facebook, I don't want to see it on Instagram, I don't want anything wow. to do with it. But I have to say this is a, a first time in a long time that I went back and watched an episode and remembered everything that I loved about it straight off the mm. bat. Um, like you said, Matt, the acting from Tom Welling, uh, John Schneider, Annette O'Toole, um, uh, Michael Rosenbaum Rosenbaum fantastic yeah. I forget now I listen to, to Rosenbaum oh. I've met him a couple of times and I listen to his podcast and he, to me now he's he's himself he's the person yeah but, jokey yeah, kind of totally yeah jokey totally. And, 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 but I watched when I was watching the episode he was Lex Luthor he wasn't yeah. Michael Rosenbaum he was Lex Luthor you know you could see the pain in his face um, I remember I had very vague memories watching it of watching it the very first time um, and I remember 
watching it the first time and being like, oh, Clark's day is going a little bit too well. Something's not going right here because it's basically, yeah. yeah, the first three quarters of the episode is, 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 or the first half of the episode is basically a perfect day in the, in the world of Clark where everything goes right for him and everything turns out great until obviously um, it doesn't at the end. Um, and I remember watching the funeral of Jonathan um, of Jonathan Kent, and that's always something that just gets me right in the right in the feels, you know, from Superman the movie to even the comics, All Star, and the comics that cover it. Um, and he was, a gr- I, I found that um, uh, John Schneider was a was a really big loss to the show. I think you know he really was, he really brought a gravitas. He's by far. To be honest, I, I I think he's probably my favorite Jonathan Kent. Now I love Eddie Jones and, and Lois and Clark, but uh, he really you you could really see from from his performance why Clark became Superman. Totally. Why yeah. uh, where he learned the lessons, how he was raised, and you could really see it in John Schneider's um, uh, performance. And I I really think I kind of because it kind of goes off a cliff after this where. Um, Martha kind of gets involved with Lionel and all this oh. kind of stuff that's where I kind of faded out of things a little bit and then came back for, for the end um, like a lot of people did I, like, I kind of missed all the Justice League stuff that, that followed and that but this really got me in the feels like the, the show ended and I really did remember everything that I loved about it for those first couple of seasons and everything that it got right I think is emphasised in this episode so it's I, I really really enjoyed it and really highly recommend it and it's funny. I think about John Schneider's uh, Jonathan a lot watching Superman and Lois. Mm-hmm. Uh, it almost it almost feels like that Clark didn't really have that type of relationship that that the Tom Welling John Schneider relationship essentially with his father because you know in in episode three of that show suddenly Clark's or Clark's allowing the kids to play football even though he knows that one of them yeah. has powers and I'm like. John Schneider would rip you a new one yeah. if he knew that this was, you know, like especially not freshman year. Like it never would have happened. I, 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 I love Eddie Jones too, but obviously, he, um, this John, this Jonathan Kent has a lot more to do. So I totally understand that yeah. take. And it is just knowing, <clears throat> knowing, knowing this Superman mythos like we do, like the kind of, you know, it, it all, it all rhymes. Yeah. You know, like the all these versions of the story. When he's having that fight with with Lionel Luther in the, the barn there, yeah, best scene. And you see him tell him like he's about to be like, "Now you take your, you get the hell out of my farm." And he takes a moment and like kind of like grabs his arm or whatever for a second. Like I, I get chills thinking yeah. of that moment, just mm-hmm. knowing like, "Oh God, this is it." You know, like this is what's gonna get him. I, I, it's just, it's little things like that. It's it's Lex finding out that Lana and clark are engaged and him saying so you chose him and realizing like this whole time in his head they've both been like vying for her love when like nobody knew that but lex you know like it's just like these little character moments throughout the episode i think are just and there's real there's real sinister like he really turns like it's almost now he's threatening yeah he's threatening and like you don't know if like it almost gives the feeling that he's going to assault her or something in the, in the yeah, room. Yeah, he's threatening in a very real world way. Yeah, and like it's it's really they're all like even like you said there that scene. You get the impression that Jonathan could cross the line here and kill Lionel. He's so mm-hmm. angry with him, and you can see then again with Clark. Clark obviously gets his kindness from his parents and his 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 morals from his parents, but then that assertiveness as well. That Superman yep. will later show in his adult years, where you know he can stand up for the little guy and stuff, and that's what Jonathan is doing here. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think it was great. 
Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, look, go I, for I, it. I, yeah, ruin, I, 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 I actually don't disagree with, with most of what you've said there, guys, to be honest. Like, um, I, I, I think, Matt, you probably put it perfectly when you said um, they, they definitely achieved what they were trying to do with, with this specific episode, if, if not later ones. Um, to, just to give a bit of context, I absolutely loved Smallville in season one. Like, I lived for Smallville that first year it came out i just i just thought it was amazing and it's important to say as well we never had those ads over here that said no tights no flights like that was never a thing here so when i was reading that years later i was like what really they marketed it as that why did they do that i like, don't remember it being marketed as that did they that's I, crazy. apparently there was trailers on the wb at the time that were like no tights no flights like this ain't oh, your this ain't your mama superman or whatever but like i for, just remember that that naked shot of him with the s on his chest to be like every story has a beginning oh, that's, or, you I know whatever I, that, I definitely remember that, that yeah but um y- you know so i i honestly did believe that they were going to you know they, they were creating this natural kind of progression into him becoming Superman. And it really, really feels like that in the first kind of two years of the show. And then you kind of get into season three and it's it's still kind of ramping up and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm still enjoying this. And then you get into season four and it kind of leans a bit more into the teen drama. It kind of takes a little bit of a breather and you're still kind of enjoying it. And then finally you get to this season. And look, I know people kind of see this as nearly a shot in the arm this season I, I this is the season where i checked out and this is actually the specific mm. this is the specific episode where i checked out oh no because i i remember <laughs> i remember clark revealing the secret to lana in the fortress and you know he does that jump and it's kind of like he's flying a little bit and mm-hmm. you're like oh wow this is but i was just like no this isn't this is doing nothing for me i'm, I'm not engaged in this anymore and I don't know, was it just wow. that the relationship had been so kind of toxic to the, up to that point or whatever? <laughs> whatever um, do you mean? And the, the, like the episode literally starts with James Blunt, uh, You're Beautiful playing. And then they play it again later on, which is never, you know, good. Um, and guys, I got to be honest, and I'm going to offend a lot of our listeners here by saying this. I just don't like Tom Welling as Clark. I find him so irritating and so annoying. I do think he does some good acting in this episode. Uh, I think when he reacts to Lana's death, he's very strong there. And when he's in the fortress kind of, you know, pleading with Jorel, I think that's very good. But a lot of the kind of just meat and potatoes exposition and, you know, talking to Chloe in the Daily Planet and stuff, I just, there's just something really insufferable about him, I have to be honest. And the the, the outfit they always put him in where he's, he's wearing this kind of, red t-shirt and blue jacket blue shirt, red jacket and and then they switch that and then it's the it's the red jacket and the blue shirt i you know i really liked in the earlier seasons where he dressed a, like an actual person would dress um <laughs> i i know why they do that they're trying to evoke the superman colors and all that kind of stuff i, I just think he just looks like a buffoon all the time and i, I can't take the show seriously and i I, th- I think watching this episode i was just aghast at how good Michael Rosenbaum was he's so so good in those few scenes where he's kind of drunk and he's you know obsessing over the fact that Clark is with Lana now I I thought that was so good and if I was to go back to watch the whole show again it would be because of that and same same as you guys were saying John Schneider is an incredible Jonathan Kent um Lionel Luther amazing you know that's all fine just it didn't land for me um I thought the time travel stuff Matt as you said there's a lot of Kryptonian god powers in this show there's the time yeah. travel in this episode. There's all the shenanigans with blue kryptonite giving people's powers and taking powers away and all that stuff. And there's all this technology that they have throughout the sh- series where you're kind of like, you have you were able to do all this stuff and you couldn't just evacuate the planet. <laughs> like, wh- wh- you couldn't send someone <laughs> back to warn people. Like, are you kidding me with this? 
And like I should I should part, say part is of a, why sorry just like to speak to that part of why Jonathan is dying here is because his heart's bad because Jarrell gave him Clark's powers once before yeah. to go tame in a red kryptonite Clark. Anyway, keep going. I I I I should say as well I did check out w- with this specific episode. I was kind of like, Do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm I'm gonna step away from this. And I always meant to to check back in when it was clear that the show was coming to an end because I knew that once they announced that this show is coming to an end, that's when he's going to have to become Superman and they're gonna to have to push the story along a little bit. Um and obviously that didn't happen for a long time. But like I, I did I saw bits of season six, I saw a lot of Oliver Queen. I I think the season I've seen the least of is probably season seven. I've definitely seen that's fine. I've seen the Doomsday, the finale where he quote unquote fights Doomsday, which is like 12 seconds or something like that. <laughs> um, and I checked, I fully checked back in for season nine when Zod properly showed up. And I actually thought a lot of that was really cool. I, I, I'm going to say it. I, I genuinely think the, the black trench coat kind of thing that he wears in that season, like that's kind of an interesting prototype Superman suit because... He's experimenting. He's going to become a superhero, but he doesn't know if he wants to kind of fly around in the light yet or be like a shadowy vigilante. So he's trying to... Dis- Go like- through his edgy phase too, you know. I liked all that. And then they fucking ruined it with that thriller jacket in season 10. <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> so yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with Smallville. Um, this episode is fine. I, 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 I thought the death of Jonathan was... I, I, as you said, Matt, I, I, I generally don't think there's any need to kill Jonathan um, or Martha. Uh, even in the new show, I, I, I just found it a little bit superfluous. I don't think Superman needs that. There's enough tragedy in Superman's past. The fucking planet exploded. Like, it, there's nothing wrong with him having kind of the, the, the parental guidance, you know, that he has. And I think that's what kind of sets him apart from people like, you know, Batman and Spider-Man who are kind of loners and they've, they've no one to turn to. I, I like that Superman has his parents, but that's just a personal preference kind of fan thing i can't really hold it against the show but um yeah that's I, that's my long-winded rant sorry i just want to say for the record that i really like tom welling and i would love him to come on the podcast <laughs> oh yeah please come on the podcast tom welling um, i gotta be honest with you rob he's he's not my favorite clark like i've said this on on always hold on to smallville too but it's just like Towards the end of the show, I'm not watching for Clark's story anymore. No. I'm watching because, like, oh my God, Doctor Fate's gonna be here. Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah, like they're doing Zatanna. Let's go. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I totally understand everything you're saying. There's there's a nostalgia lens that I cannot and I'm, will not take off. For you see, I don't. I, I'm, really, I'm, I, 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 sorry, I don't. I'm, I don't really have that nostalgia lens, and. I have to say that if anything, I Smallville left a poor taste in my mouth because I, like Rob said, I thought the first couple of seasons were really building up towards something and then they just seemed to kind of need to stretch it out and stretch it out and they brought in, I don't like a situation where there's an entire Justice League before there's a Superman God. and stuff like that. Yeah, like, I, no, I don't like a Batman yeah, for that. I don't one. like any of that stuff. Um, there's a booster gold before there's a Superman in the show. Yeah, like, like, and you're making excuses. Eventually, it just feels like they're they're kind of taking the piss out of the audience a little bit who who, who have stuck in. And then I, I really thought that the finale was a bit of a, a slap in the face for people who had waited that long and, and tuned in for 10 years. And Welling's whole attitude about, you know, it's a show about Clark. It's not about Superman. You know, forget that. That's just nonsense. If you don't want to wear a suit, don't wear a suit. Just, just be honest about it. But I have to say, so like there's a lot of things going against the show for me when I sat down to watch this episode and I sat down and I 
was I was I was bored. I really was bored. I really thought that it was as good uh, as a superhero WB CW yeah. TV gets. To be honest with you, I will say too. Like as we're talking about time travel, there's a phenomenal episode of season eight called Hydro. I think it's called Hydro. Mm, forgive me. It's an episode in season eight when Tori Spelling comes back. Oh, Tori um, Spelling! But in that, it's not dissimilar from Tempest Fugitive, where. Tori Spelling is like a uh, reporter, a gossip reporter, and she learned that Clark was had superpowers last time that she was on, and she comes back and threatens him, and she's like, I'm going to do a whole expose, so you know, get your affairs in order, basically. And he comes out to Lois, and he tells her, and you know, like the world starts turning against him, and, and the world learns that he's, he's got powers and that type of thing, and they wind up buying it back with a Legion of Superheroes time ring, in that episode, but it's it's a really good another time travel like kind of what if story. Never seen that. Um, That's like really Tempest cool, Street, actually. I might check totally that out. Totally worth your time. And and um, Terry Hatcher is my favorite Lois of all time. Erica Durant is a close. Oh my god, second. she's and she's, she's so good. Wonderful in that episode. So uh, highly recommend. Erica Durant. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember listening to her on a, on something there not too long ago. She was saying she was actually working in the casting department. For Smallville, yes. when she got the part, when she That's kind of mad. put herself forward for the part, or was told to put herself forward for the part, she is phenomenal as Lois Lane. Um, and like you said there, and I, I, I reckon if it wasn't for the nostalgia and the, 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 the deep love I have for Lois and Clark and, and Terry's portrayal, Erica Durant is right up there totally. with her. She is fantastic. Yeah. For the record, that episode was eight fifteen. Infamous. Ah, if anything yeah. I just said is interesting, you must check it out. Really yeah, that's, that's just on that. Erica Durant. I totally agree. She's excellent, Lois Lane. And when you think about like the concurrent Lois Lane at the time was Kate Bosworth, um, mm-hmm. who I I don't hate as much as people do, but she's she's kind of doesn't really have much of an impact. Whereas Erica Durant is mammoth. Like you could have put her in a Superman movie easily. Yeah, but um, totally. The, the, totally. For me, the the best episodes of those kind of final seasons are. The episodes where they kind of just are Superman stories and they mm-hmm. y- y- like th- there's a lot of episodes in season 10 where it's basically just Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman again. And, yep. y- you know, like he's the blur instead of Superman and she's his kind of partner in crime and she's helping him out. And those are like my favorite episodes of kind of coming to the end of Smallville. Um, and and it's get- so earned at that point, too, after five or six years of her not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. All of a sudden we get to have this first season. And it's totally it, again, as Alan said, the finale is so fucking stupid the way they're about to get married and then just don't for some reason. Like, no, just let them get married. Come on. You've changed enough already. Like, um, um, I was just, I was just thinking there. Did we do you want to go through a kind of a, a, a quick step by step of the episode? Or yeah, I, I was I was thinking we, we maybe we should just give a quick little run through of, of the actual time travel in the episode because it is significant. So, yeah, yeah. So basically, basically, the episode revolves around Clark has decided. Um, and again, I have no idea what happened in the in the previous few episodes because I've just watched this and jumped in here. But basically to add some context, they've been on. Clark and Lana have been on and off again. They started the season together because he didn't have superpowers and then he got him back and he's like, we can't be together. So it, it's just been a lot of like, she's been giving him hell for having secrets for a while and it's just coming to a head basically. Yeah, yeah. So basically you can see Clark is worried at the start. Like you said, Rob starts off with your beautiful by James Blunt and it's that lovely sunset sing, sing the opening bars there Alan no, I will absolutely not sing the opening bars but uh, the, the, the these forever sunset that Smallville seems to have it just never seems to be anything other than dusk my or dawn my life is brilliant <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, so he's worried about losing Lana they're in the barn Lana turns up 
Clark uh, reveals his secret, brings her to the caves, activates the caves, bring her to, brings her to the CGI fortress, um, and uh, basically explains that he's from another planet and he's from Krypton and he's an alien and everything, and then proposes to her. And uh, we go on from that then. He, he, he uh, Superman he, 3 proposes to her. He Superman 3 proposes to her. Yeah, loves it. Yeah, that was such he, a... And then he, he, he's fondling a piece of, of coal for the whole day, for the whole that thing. Was, and Lana never asks him why. And he crushes the coal into a ring and uh, into a diamond and puts it in the in the ring and sets it with his heat vision. Lovely little piece. He's in college. He can afford coal. He can't afford diamonds. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, you know, yeah. or he's... Um, so he updates his parents who are very happy for him. He updates uh, Chloe. Lana turns up and says yes. They go to the um, campaign. It's the election night for the, the senatorial race that Jonathan Kent is running in against Lex Luthor. Jonathan wins. Everything is fantastic. Lana goes to see Lex because uh, Lex is having a hard time after losing the election. And, uh, and phones don't work in the Smallville universe. So she has yeah. to drive out to the Luthor. She yeah. drives over. Yeah. It's a small town. They don't have uh, coverage. Lex is drunk. He's he's filling up on what I presume is expensive whiskey and that. And uh, he tell he can tell pretty. He sees the ring obviously, and he's a bit dismayed by that. But then he he figures out that if she has said yes, she must have been informed of what Clark's secret was. And he gets very threatening towards her. He wants to know what the secret is. Uh, and he's mean to her. He makes that he makes that jibe about her father. How she's better off not knowing her father. This kind of stuff. She, he's just being a bit of an asshole. She takes off out of the mansion he chases her in the car and she's in a car crash and unfortunately she's killed so clark kind of loses it goes to the fortress begs jorel terence stamp uh jorel to go back in time or to, to fix it to somehow do something to 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 to, to amend what's after happening and jorel hands him a crystal and he is sent back 24 hours and you've kind of got this kind of groundhog day meets final destination type yeah. I was gonna say like the whole thing with Jarrell is like okay, but like the universe is gonna find a balance if you save like someone else is gonna die. Yeah, we're talking about balance in the universe, and we can't evacuate an exploding planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jarrell explains that a debt has the debt has to be paid. The debt is going to right. it can't go uncollected. And Clark doesn't care. He needs to have Lana back. He can't live go on the way he is, and he goes back, and he's back in the barn, and he decides not to tell her. And as a result, Lana basically dumps him because he'd kind of led her to believe that this was going to be some monumental day and he's let her down again and she's she's had enough of it and like that he updates he updates chloe goes to the election night the senatorial election night jonathan uh kent wins again next thing he realizes that lois is not there and he goes up and it, it's not really explained what happened but she's unconscious on the floor and there's water and electrics and it looks like she's about to be killed kind of final destination style and he he saves her and then he's told by uh chloe that she can't find she had one job her one job was to keep an eye on lana and she she's lost lana lana's gone to see lex um and it, it kind of goes a different way in that she explains to lex how her and, and clark have, have split up lex makes a move on her makes a move on her she again bolts out of the mansion lex chases her but this time clark manages to save her and we think everything is all right uh, until we find out that jonathan has been contacted by lionel Lionel uh, informs him. Uh, I don't think they reveal what the secret is, but the secret is the adoption papers, isn't it? That that Lionel forged. I think. If- I I don't know that we ever really find out about it. Like we've always known. I think he has some sort of proof that Clark is 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 using superpowers. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Lionel helped them forge the adoption papers. We find out in season two. So like he's always known that 
there was something weird about this adoption. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. And uh, he basically tries to, to, to use it to blackmail Jonathan into again. For phone, phones, phones don't phones work. Don't in, work in the Smallville well, universe. Right? Lionel black- has to show up personally to blackmail. Yeah. Well, if you're going to blackmail, you know, you, you don't do it over the phone, Rob. Everybody not, like, does that. he not have a does he not have an Otis or someone to go and do this for him? <laughs> like, why does Lionel go himself? Like, so uh, Jonathan um, beats up Lionel and unfortunately then has the heart attack in front of. Uh, Clark and um, Martha Kent who, who arrive home from the from the, the election night and straight away then we're into the day of the funeral the day of the the day of the the burial and this kind of nice um, very uh, picturesque scene where there's, there's snow falling and there's music playing and everybody is obviously sad and upset over over Jonathan passing away and, and Clark picks up the the dirt and throws it on his on his coffin and then they kind of fade to black so that's the I, that's, I'd say I'd say someone it. had to someone had to restrain themselves from using uh, the Evanescence song that played during the funeral scene in Daredevil um <laughs> Just seeing as how we already had James Blunt, we might as well have something equally on. They've the already used that Evanescence song in season three too. Oh, have they? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just one thing, Alan, when you were describing it there, one thing that really stood out to me, I remember in the first season, possibly only the first episode, but Lex has that really badass Porsche and it's like a really cool, rich person, like rich bad boy asshole car. Um, and that's obviously the one that gets wrecked. But then I think he has a, another Porsche in season one. But in this episode, he's driving this shitty Mercedes that looks like someone who owns a pizzeria <laughs> would drive. Like it's not a, it's not like a really wealthy person's car. Like it's like a hairdresser's car. I don't, it's I don't like a, a local franchisee's car. It's like a guy who owns a McDonald's and is thinking of getting a second one. He just buys himself <laughs> this Mercedes. That's funny. Shit. That's funny. Um, I like. There was there was a couple of nods in it. I liked. There was a couple of references uh, yeah. to Superman the movie in it, where Chloe mm-hmm. makes a kind of very on the nose remark about how did he turn back time to fly you know backwards around the globe turn the earth I, on its axis yeah that was yeah very it was it was a nice yeah. it was a nice little nod but yeah it, it's very like once the time travel element comes into it it is very it is a mixture of groundhog day versus kind of final destination um yeah. where you kind of death is coming for somebody and you know mm. clark manages to save lois uh, he manages to save Lana, but unfortunately, he can't save his father. You know, I I thought it was really cool the way they they seemed to use the same takes of Clark uh, or of Lex and Lana mm-hmm. in that scene where she when she comes the second time, we'll say they they seem to use the exact same takes, which I thought was really cool. And then it only yeah. changes when when he sees that she's not wearing the ring or whatever, which she you know the the scene mm. sort of diverges there. But I thought it was cool the way they just literally use the same thing again because that that bothers me in these like in Groundhog Day. There's inconsistencies like that where you know he's seeing Ned Ryerson and Ned Ryerson will like look slightly different or will be positioned in a slight, and you, you your brain just <laughs> sees these like, um. So it was cool the way they did that. I thought interesting. Will we give it our ratings? Are you are we happy to or do you have anything else you want to say about yeah. it, Matt? No, no, I, I I think it's a great episode. Yeah, again, I I really do think I I, I have to say I was very surprised. I it really it, it actually kind of left me with a want to go back and and watch some of the series again, um, or at the very least some of the season the series highlights, um, some of the episodes that I remember being very good and like that that episode that you were speaking about, Matt. Like that oh, that sounds like something I I definitely want to check out. I I definitely yeah. checked out before that. I, I hadn't seen that episode. So, um, if anything. I'm glad I, I rewatched it because, yeah, it's 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 left a much better taste in my mouth for the series than what I had um, going into it. Yeah, I I, I definitely oh. I definitely want to cover more Smallville on this um, podcast mm. and uh, like that. There's like I, we're thinking of doing Matt, we're thinking of doing an episode on the different iterations of Bizarro in Superman TV shows, and um, 
We definitely want to. Oh, oh. so, one of the most infamously bad sure. lines in Smallville is is centered around Bizarro, and I can't wait to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, so Matt, so, how many how many stars are we giving it, or how many I'm, fives? I mean, are... I, again, it's it's not even like my favorite episode of Smallville, but for what it wants to do, I'm giving it five car flips, which is a classic Smallville move. So there you go. Nice. Um, I'm going to go very close to you. I'm I'm going to give it four Jonathan Kent heart attacks. Nice. Jesus. Yeah. I I, um, I, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed that'll it. That'll kill him. That'll, that'll, that'll kill yeah. him. If the first three don't get you, the fourth one will get you. But I have to say, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's, yeah, it's four. It's four out of five for me. Um, oh, I mean, oof. so what have I given so far? I gave, I gave George Reeves three and I gave Superboy two. I mean, for a small, uh, it's 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 hovering somewhere between a two and a three for me. I, I I'm, I'm going to give it two point five um, uh, time travel Krypton crystals that that that, that they could have used to save Krypton. God, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I highly recommend. It. I think people should definitely check it out. And our last episode, just to move on, our last episode that we're going to cover is your pick, Matt. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, this is this is. Um, Justice League uh, the animated series uh, which I assume most of listeners have checked out but it, it might not be the greatest Superman stuff in general but as far as an introduction into the wider world of the DC universe like all the animated stuff but Justice League and Justice League Unlimited in particular are fantastic stories yeah great writing great animation all around but this is an episode a two-parter episode called Hereafter where in the first one, it's basically death of Superman. Like yeah. a, a bunch of bunch of villains get together, including Toy Man and Weather Wizard. Like just this Metallo's there, I think. Like this weird, desperate collection of villains get together, and they seemingly kill Superman. And the Justice League deals with that and goes through the whole kind of mourning process and the public funeral. And it's it's a lot of beats from the death of Superman. That is a great moment where Lex comes to the mm-hmm the funeral and Lois basically gets up and is like, how dare you come here? And Lex is like, look, I admired him too. Like, it's kind of a loss for me to, I'm not here to be a dick. I like, I'm, I'm really sad this happened, you know? Um, and, and like Batman's kind of staying away from it all. And finally, like at the end of the episode goes to the memorial yeah. and, and, and talks to Clark, uh, just like you, you're the best of all of us, and you know that type of thing. And then we find out at the end of the episode, Superman's fine. He's just in the future, yeah, like in the far distant, like, um, and even very DC version of the future. Even that is is a twist at the end, kind of. We, we, oh, yeah. we don't even know that at the start when when we see him. No, it looks like he's just no. We think he's we're with the league, thinking he's dead. And then the next episode is him like kind of frontiering it the earth's sun has gone red because it's so far in the future so he's got no powers like uh, it's weird how the but he's got a sick ass trouble happened yeah there's a mustang in there so he like fuels it up and when the mustang dies he, he like gets some future wolves together and makes a bobsled and basically winds up with vandal savage the immortal vandal savage um otherwise known as curtis knox on smallville and um they they fix a time machine and send them back but it's just it's just such a great you wouldn't believe that that's such a good superman episode but i really love what they do with it all around I, i've spoken way too much about it at this point not at all no i i if i if i had seen it before i definitely didn't remember it and i was watching it after after you suggested it and we got kind of to the end of the almost to the end of the first one i was like 
I, I don't think Matt I, th- I thought I told Matt this was about time travel or name. something <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on and then we see it and it's it, it, it's so it's so good I thoroughly enjoyed it it's yeah it's a great episode yeah, I, 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 I will echo all of what you guys have said. I, I remembered this in my head being kind of a Just Okay episode because for me, the first two seasons of Justice League are are quite good. They're not quite great. And then you get into Justice League Unlimited and it's like the coolest thing ever. Phenomenal. But um, I remember this being just quite good. But it, no, it's a great episode. It's it's really, really good. It's it's so kind of charming. The the scripts on these Justice League episodes were just so sharp. And the, yeah. the kind of mm-hmm. banter between all the characters, they just hit such a good sort of feeling of of um you know it's it's similar to what they do at the mcu now they just give everybody a good voice and it's entertaining and totally fast paced and it's exactly what they should be doing with the dc characters to be honest um, you believe you believe that they're friends like it's like I yeah know it's a cartoon but it's, it's just, or, or frenemies you know you can you in, can in feel cases. the chemistry there like it's just it clicks and it works you know it's yeah. funny too in like so the premise for anyone that hasn't watched it the justice league the first two seasons are this founding seven members of this version of the Justice League. Hawk, Hawk Girl is there. There's no Aquaman or whatever. But it's it's just like those characters. And then Justice League Unlimited opens up the roster and every hero you've ever seen in any DC thing yeah. could be in an episode. You know, like that's when they do their poster golds or their vixens or whatever. But it is so impressive to me, especially in an episode like this where they give all seven of them character moments yeah the 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 economy of storytelling here where they get through all this plot that they're doing and you can still have a moment for batman to go to superman's grave and be like i don't know how to do this without you like you know like that's and not in a corny way like you totally buy it from whatever hand canon bruce wayne is you know like it's it's just so impressive to me and the same thing in the future where it's just like it's a very complicated relationship between Superman and Vandal Savage where they used to be, you know, at odds, but now it's the future. So who cares? They're kind of all they have for each other at that moment, you know, and they have to mm. work together. It's just, it's really nuanced character stuff and it, it, um, in this episode and, and most of the episodes. And it kind of debunks the argument I made earlier on as well um, about the length, the, the, the time, or, you know, Avengers Superman mm. only had 22 minutes and, and Superboy only had 22 minutes. What they did with twenty two minutes in in these episodes, like in that first episode, like you feel yeah. the emotion, you feel the pain, you get a big city uh, fight, you you know you've got the the funeral of mm-hmm. the loss, you've got Batman investigating it, and then you go into the you next, got Lobo, you got you know? Lobo yeah. turns up, you know, and then Superman in the second episode kind of turns into like Conan or something, you know, he's just this badass, mm-hmm. you know, it's like metal Superman and his Mustang yeah. driving around in this ap- apocalyptic future, it's just so good, and then even. The character moments between Vandal Savage and Superman towards the end. You know, Superman wants to kill him at the start because he it obviously transpires that Vandal Savage was the one who destroyed the Earth, uh, knocked it off its axis, or was uh, disturbed right. the gravity of the solar system or something. He he says, and then by the end of it, they're kind of friends. And you blew her up there, and they shake each other's hand. Yeah, it's it's so good. <laughs> like it's so good, and just, and I, I even love that yeah. scene at the end. Um, what do you think about that one, Matt? You know, where where Vandal is there, and he's kind of sitting, and next thing the people start appearing in front of him, and he can see the Earth kind of restore itself just as he fades out of existence. How good is that? Wonderful, wonderful. Like there, there's such a he's such an interesting character too, because that moment where he does have a bit of a death, like that version of him dies you kind of see the relief of it for him. Like, I, I find that very interesting. And you're right, like, Superman as Conan, it reminds me of the recent 
um, action figure line they did the DC Primal Age figures <laughs> where they're all kind of like it's kind of like DC slash He-Man essentially is what it is um, but it's so it's just so it's so cool I have to say as well I am um, I really like you know that there's a lot of kind of death of Superman sort of stories out there and they all kind of revolve around Doomsday and that's fine because the comics were about Doomsday but ultimately Doomsday is a pretty boring character and I, I always think mm-hmm. it's 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 always fun when they do a version of this story where it isn't Doomsday that kills him it's it's Lex Luthor or it's the villains or whatever and in this it's like a really creative like it's the Superman revenge squad which is a thing from the comics where a bunch of supervillains team up to try to take down Superman and they do and it it's just much more interesting because you have Toy Man with all these kind of goofy kind of you know, uh, play darts that then blow up and he has a big giant robot that looks sort of like a robot from the Max Fleischer cartoons and you have the weather wizard doing stuff. I always love when they use Metallo live wire. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just more interesting watching Superman fall in a battle like that than just a battle with Doomsday. Um, so I, I thought that was qu- good. I have a question maybe, Rob, that you might uh, know the answer to. Um, were the voice actors for the villains different than they were in Superman the series? They were because- different, yeah. That's the one knock I have against this episode is that they replace pretty much every character in the Superman Revenge Squad isn't played by their original voice actor. Um, yeah, because I knew it didn't, yeah. it didn't sound like Malcolm McDowell or... Um, or um, uh, Laurie Petty a, there for Livewire. Yeah, just, and, I and Miguel, I, I actually watched the Weather Wizard episode of Superman recently, and it's a great episode. It's the one with the flash in it. And Miguel Ferrer plays the Weather Wizard, and he's got a really distinctive voice. And um, yeah, it was a bit of a shame when, when I heard these, and it clearly well. I think it's Corey Burton who plays Brainiac. He was playing, um, I think he was playing Toy Man and uh, Metallo, if I'm not mm. mistaken. But um, They do that for these shows too. Like they come and go, like... Um, mm. I, I believe McDowell comes back as Metallo in a late season um, unlimited episode. But like, I think they just kind of save money sometimes when they're not yeah. crucial to an episode. Yeah, I mean, it, it is fair enough. Like, I mean, are you really going to pay Malcolm McDowell a bunch of money to like say two lines? You know, maybe not. Right. Or but, Lord um, Petty or whatever. I, 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 I totally agree with what you were saying as well, Matt. That funeral scene is great. And like, it's always great when we're able to check in on Lois um on Justice League because there's so much else going on you're, you're you're kind of thinking like why would they bother but I'm, I'm really really right. glad they put that scene in there I do just personal preference kind of Superman fan in me I, I don't like that Lex says no I'm, I'm just here to grieve as well I think Lex oh, would I be gloating I loved like, that he'd be gloating like a motherfucker at that funeral and he doesn't <laughs> in the comics he does he has this great moment where he goes I won and it's one of my favourite Lex Luthor moments so that's just a personal preference thing Clancy Brown mm-hmm. is brilliant as always in this episode and I was trying to remember at this point in the series has he been kind of um, wh- where does he stand he, legally he's he's no longer a fugitive legally he has been pardoned okay um, he had gone to prison and then he helped them defeat the Justice Lords which were an alternate version Yes, it, it, this all sounds so dumb when I talk about yeah, it. When yeah, I talk yeah. about Justice Lords, it's so I good. It's so good. How good the Justice Lords episode is! But he helps defeat them, this rogue squadron of Justice Leaguers, and as a result, he gets a full pardon. Mm. So um, he's now gearing up for a presidential run. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you were talking about the, the Justice Lords there, and you mentioned Lobo earlier on, and um, you, you know, like it's it's clear that the modern DC movies took. Uh, some inspiration from this cartoon um i would say yeah. they learned the wrong lessons in a lot of cases um <laughs> but when when lobo come on, came on i was like oh please god don't let them find out about lobo please don't let them find out about lobo because like the whole thing about lobo in this show is he's kind of a spoof of those sort of extreme 
you know leather jacket biker characters that were really popular in the 90s and like he's mm. kind of a send-up of all of those but i guarantee there's some warner brothers executive watching this episode going oh yeah here's a real badass here's a guy we can make a movie <laughs> out of so i mean did you guys did you guys watch krypton i, watched I haven't the seen majority of, of the first season yeah okay season two they introduced a really good lobo like it Krypton's worth a. I, I'm a big advocate for Krypton. I, I'd like to uh, give it they, a go. They yeah. do Lobo very well there. I, I, can't I saw think a of... picture of him and he looked incredible. And Brainiac on yeah. Krypton looked amazing as well. Amazing. So. Um, Lobo was actually played by. I can't think of the man's the guy's name, Rob, but he's he's an Irish actor. Brad Garrett. Brad no, it's, Garrett. It's, it's Brad. Brad Garrett. He's in Everybody Loves Raymond. Oh, sorry. The 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 actor in Lobo is an Irish actor. You're right. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Krypton. Yes. Um and I was I was laughing. I, I, I was left kind of bemused by the, the part in the hereafter episode where Batman is knocked unconscious and the villains just kind of leave him there and walk off. <laughs> Nobody else noticed that. They kinda of, they beat Batman. It's kind of this throwaway moment where he's beaten unconscious and then they just kinda of walk away and leave him and you know, they, they don't they don't do anything with him. They don't take off his mask. That they, should they, do. they don't finish yeah. him off. You know, it's kind of this kind of one of my one of my problems with the Justice League show is that there's an awful lot of scenes and an awful lot of episodes where there'll be some villain and like he'll punch Superman and Superman will get knocked off his feet or whatever and then he'll punch Batman and it'll be the same results where it's like surely Batman would have been completely <laughs> obliterated by that and like there's a lot there's an episode where like the entire Justice League gets electrocuted and they all get knocked out including Superman and Batman is just knocked out and you're like why is Batman not vaporized right now? You should be dead, yeah. Um, and you can see a bit of that in the movies as well. Like, they clearly struggled to kind of show Batman as being this badass while he's standing beside these gods because it's 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 tricky because you need to be able to show them as being, you know, under threat from whatever villain they're facing. But then you have this man who is flesh and blood. Like, how do you kind of have him stand? So they, in the movies, they just put him in the Batmobile all the time, which... Yeah, that or they give him a gun, which, like, we all know yeah. how, how much Batman loves guns. Yeah. And another thing I noticed about it because it's it's one of my favorite things about Superman Returns and even the the Man of Steel movies is, was where in Superman Returns um, Martha has to wait with the crowd outside the the hospital base yes. that never struck me before it never dawned on me that if something happened to Superman that Martha wouldn't be able to go and visit him because nobody knows that he's yeah. Clark and I, I think they do it in the Man of Steel um, thing as well where maybe she uh, does she see his the state funeral on TV or something like that but then I thought it was very funny that the Kents are just kind of sat bam in the middle of this of Superman's funeral and hereafter I was like you know <laughs> Clark is nowhere to be seen don't, don't worry about it yeah but yeah um, I, I, I was blown away by it I really I really um, thought it was superb I really thought it was I was shocked by how cool. good it was I really well, really enjoyed it I'm glad it. I didn't lead you astray with this suggestion well, no, one really not. one really really lovely reference I spotted actually so obviously you mentioned Matt that this takes its lead from um, Death of Superman and more specifically World Without a Superman um, where it's kind of the world reacting to his death and the funeral the funeral march looks very similar to it the way it did in the comics there's a brief shot of a um, an African-American boy in the crowd who is wearing a purple hat and he takes off the purple hat. That is a character named Keith. He's a huge character in 90s Superman comics. Um, he's from Suicide Slum and he's this kind of um, down on his luck kid who's, whose mum had addiction issues and stuff like that. And he ends up being adopted by Perry White. And it's it's just a really, really touching... It's the kind of thing they did That's in cool. 90s comics all the time... In 90s Superman comics all the time where they just really opened up the world of Metropolis and they had all these side characters and all these different plot lines going on. And 
I thought it was so lovely that they just put him in for that brief little shot. I I, I thought that was really, really nice. I just wanted That's to point nice that touch. out. That's cool. In an otherwise perfect episode, yeah. I loved his super mullet. Yeah. I loved his beard. Love it. Oh my God, the mullet. I never even thought of it as the mullet, but it's totally the 90s mullet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 100%. I was like, oh, oh the, the mullet is back. I was so excited yep. about it. Uh, just a quick question for you, Matt. Just in terms of, say, like animated shows and stuff in general, are you a fan of much animation kind of when it comes to like the dc content and stuff or the, the movies and that oh, or is it just kind of justice totally. league and oh no i mean like i i'm a batman i'm in this world at all because of batman the ma yeah. series um and and the fact that um i was growing up we were growing up whatever at a time where that series then led to the revamp led to the Superman series. They were all connected, yeah. led to Batman Beyond, which is phenomenal, led to the Justice League. You know, like I, I, I felt so lucky as a kid that all of my superhero stories sat like all of my Batman sounded right. Yeah. You know, like it was yeah. always Kevin Conroy. It was, it was always, well, it was George Newbern or Tim Daly as Superman. But um, yeah. Oh, I love, I love all the DC animated stuff. A lot of the new movies. I'm, I, I, I don't really mess around with, no. to be honest. Okay. Um, I thought like the Constantine one was surprisingly good, but the, a, a lot of it wasn't wasn't great. But that classic, you know, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, Dwayne McDuffie stuff is is so good. Yeah, it was it was basically the MCU before the MCU. Like we we had our own totally. all these all these kind of like geeks like us and stuff. We all had our little MCU kind of a secret justice league universe that nobody really kind of knew about. Only us who were into it, we- and it was amazing. And it's what we've always said, like, like just copy what they did. Just do exactly yeah, just do that. what they did and you're fine. And there, you can draw similarities to some of, like, the moves that the Marvel movies have made compared to this. And it's it's interesting. Yeah, 100%. And story-wise, too, the, the big, the like, only real mark I can say against the animated DC stuff, the DCAU, is that they never paid Lois enough attention like yeah. she never they never really give them the relationship she's no. dating superman she's not dating clark at one point in justice league unlimited we never see the moment where she finds out she doesn't really in continuity so like that that is a missed opportunity that is a big part of what makes those stories so important you know like yeah, yeah from my money lois is as much a part of making Clark Kent Superman as, as his powers and that type of thing. So yeah, you know, that's a, one miss. ignore ignore Lois at your own peril because like Dana Delaney exactly. did a great did a great um, job with her voice and you know they got the, the strong female character right. But yeah, she was she was very much neglected as the series went on, unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, will we will we give our uh, our rating for this episode? And then I I want to ask one last surprise question after this before we go. Oh, I have a surprise question too. Oh, excellent. Okay. <laughs> okay, go on. Um, Do you want to go first, Adam? Um, no, I'll let Matt go. Yeah. Um, I, I recommended this, so I better come in with a five. Um, a five um, future space dogs. <gasps> I was going to do future space dogs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to go, Rob? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I will give this four... Um, uh, bottled waters because there's that bit where he's drinking bottled water yes. I, I don't know it always just stuck out to me you get this real sense that it must be really refreshing drinking the bottled water because it looks you, you can feel the heat in that scene because the mm-hmm. sun is blasting so I don't know it was just always very evocative I like that he's drinking bottled water so four bottled waters I only dock one mark because 
the Superman Revenge Squad are all stand-ins um, playing the characters and it's a little bit noticeable. That's the only thing wrong with this two-player. Again, I'm, I'm right up there with you. I'm giving it five unconscious but not murdered Batmans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm unconscious and safe. Unconscious, safe Batmans. That's, that's, what, I'm, well, that's what I'm good. But I'm, I'm five out of five. I was blown away by how good this was. And I always knew, it's, it wasn't like with the small bit where I had to be reminded, but I always knew that this was a great series. But I, again, yeah. I hadn't seen it in like 12 years and it just, I can't wait. All my, see all my stuff's in storage at the moment while we build our, our new house. So I can't wait to get all this stuff back out and on the shelf that I can just take it off and stick it in and it'll be you know um but yeah five five stars this is um this is really good it's right up there with the tempest fugitive for me i really really enjoyed it cool very cool will will we ask your surprise question first on i wonder do we have have, one i wonder do we have the same question my surprise question was i wanted to ask matt matt do you have a favorite uh time travel movie or film oh that's a good one I mean, the obvious ones. Yeah, you want to say Back yeah. to the Future, aren't you? <laughs> I want to say Back to the Future, but I will. I will say, as a kid, my my parents showed me um, this. I forget what year it was, but the sixties uh, time machine, the time machine movie, mm. and I was obsessed with it. Um, and it made me read like whatever junior novel version of the time machine I read as a kid and then read war of the world. So it like, really got me into HG Wells, yeah. which made Tempest fugitive all the much cooler when I finally got it, you know? So like, um, just to speak to something that's not back to the future. I think that that original sixties time machine is really wonderful. I have a, I have a, a small personal history of that film because I, it was a film I watched the night before I um, went to my first date with my wife. Um, oh, and wow. I remember I, I had been out the night before and I was dying drinking, uh, dying with a hangover. And a friend of mine came over and uh, I remember this movie was on. We were watching the, the 60s time machine. I remember talking to my friends like I met this girl over the weekend. I, she lives very far away and we're meant to be going on a date tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to go or will I go or won't I go? And I remember just watching this movie as and by the end of the movie, I was like, yeah, you know what? I will go. You know, I, I, I'll go up and out. Life's too short. I know we're married. Yeah. So, that, you know, but that awesome. it's such a that's such a great great movie it's 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 i love like what i love and they don't follow that rule in the in the tempest fugitive episode or in the in the tempest episodes i love the fact that the machine has to be still that like it's it's in one place and then you Mm -hmm. watch time kind of break down you know you watch civilizations break down and build back up and you know environmental changes move around the time machine as it travels because obviously like in the tempest one technically if they were to obey the same rules like H.G. Wells would have to physically bring the time machine to 1995 right. Smallville and then go back in time. It'd still be in Centennial Park or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Got, yeah, But it's that's such it's such that's a great pick. That's what that's that's brilliant film. If anybody hasn't checked it out, uh, don't check out the remake with Samantha Mumba. Check out that's the, the only one I've seen. No, forget that. Go <laughs> I gotta go and back and watch this. Original. Rob, you, Rob, I'm telling you, you will love this film. You go back and watch that the, that 1960s time machine. It is uh, it's brilliant. You've never seen a more beautiful prop, too. Yeah. The, mm. the full-size one, they have a miniature one in that, too. It's just a gorgeous time sled, basically. Yeah, no, it's 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 such a great film. What about you, Rob? 
Uh, so obviously Back to the Future is that's one of my favorite movies ever. Um, and and Back to the Future Two I think has got some really really cool timey wimey nerdy stuff in it that I really love as well. Couldn't agree more. Uh, other than that, I, I I thought Avengers Endgame was a really good time travel story. Um, and another one I just want to give a shout out to About Time, the Richard Curtis movie with Donald Gleeson from a couple of years mm. ago. I thought that was so lovely and it was such a cool, like mm. they did kind of get into nerdy uh, time travel pseudoscience in it as well. Um, and I just thought it was amazing. That last scene where he's walking on the beach with his dad, I was I was crying like a baby watching that movie. Um, and I miss movies like that. There's no kind of really good rom-coms anymore. And that's kind of like one of the last ones I remember seeing. So shout out to About Time. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. And again, look, everybody loves Back to the Future, and then you've got everything from the Terminator to oh, First yeah, Contact. Yeah. Um, the Star Trek First Contact movie is one of the best Star Trek films going. And I loved anything to do with time travel. I loved like yesterday's Enterprise and TNG it's and Star all Trek that Four. Stuff. The one Star with the Trek whales. Four. Yeah, it's it's not one of my favorites, but yeah, hundred percent. I anything to do with time travel. I just love every, once I see something as a time travel uh, focus, I love it. But my my dirty guilty pleasure my guilty dirty secret is i love hot tub time machine <laughs> with john cusack <laughs> and chevy chase and it's a terrible film it is a terrible film but I, that's I such lo- a waterford film to like I love, it. I love whenever I, I i'm in a you know whenever i just want something that will make me laugh that i find i love yeah. everything about 80s nostalgia and stuff hot tub time machine check it out yeah, so it's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, what about uh, somewhere in time with Christopher Reeve? That's kind of a time travel movie. Yeah, I only I, I only checked it out after um, I had gotten his autograph. Um, I, I purchased an autograph that he that he signed. Um, I, I can't remember if I spoke about it before on a, a Mackinac Island uh, travel brochure that he he signed when he was filming somewhere in time and then i checked out the film afterwards and it's it's really kind of um it's oh, what's the word i'm looking for is it somber it's sentimental it's a very sentimental yeah. film but it's a nice it's a nice film you know the time travel yeah. stuff is is not really explained and st- uh, and that but it's it, it's a nice little film it's w- one of his better films to be honest with you after yeah, it's one after of his best su- acting performances definitely. yeah that, that last kind of sequence is great it's great and um yeah go on, a time after time too, by the way. Yes. H.G. Wells weird one, but it, you've got David Warner in there as Jack the Ripper. David Warner, who would then be Jor-El for Lois and Clark. So and, and is Rachel Ghoul in the animated DC stuff? Yeah, Ma- Malcolm McDowell is playing H.G. Wells, not is it? And Malcolm McDowell is yeah. it? That's right. Everything's connected. Yep. Did you have what was your question, Rob? Yeah. So actually, leading on from somewhere in time. Um, I wanted to ask you guys because obviously it we, we touched on it briefly in small in the Smallville episode, which was paying homage to it, uh, in in some ways. The 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 time travel in Superman the movie, uh, it would kind of be remiss of us not to to just give a brief mention of it. Well, like it, it's very controversial with a lot of people, um, and I just wanted to get your guys' take on it because a lot a lot of people feel it it kind of ruins the movie a little bit and and sort of uh, it, it it creates a scenario whereby Superman can just travel back in time. So why doesn't he just do that in every movie and why doesn't he just go back and save krypton and all that how do you like matt how do you feel because i know you're 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 not as into the donner movies as we are so how do you feel about it first of all i i um totally got this idea from zach moore from always hold on smallville but his take on it is very much mine where as a one-off um you know like flying for the power basically powered by love and loss in that moment i'm totally fine with it and the idea of him 
traveling in reverse and you know like literally turning the earth back obviously is ridiculous but it's just a visual representation yeah. for me of the speed force or you know whatever mm-hmm. dc wallpaper you want to put over it um i'm a huge superman returns fan and like people Oof. hate that he lifts this kryptonite island and that and i've got no problems with it for the same thing of just like he's it's that's just the power of will is working through him at that point and he's just gotta do it and it's the same thing there for me so i i I, I've got no problem with it. Very good. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Alan? I'm the same. I I would have liked like I grew up with it. Nostalgized as a kid, I grew up with it, so I've always accepted it. I as an adult, if I went to see that movie release now, I probably would have more of an issue with it. Um, we'd be the worst. It about would. It, yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, I I I ideally, I would have liked to have seen more consequence or some kind yeah. of an explanation why it could only be done once to kind of negate any of that. Or why doesn't he do it all the time? Kind of thing, and maybe see more consequence uh, for his actions. Kind of like what happened in in the Smallville episode. That there was, yeah. a, you know, there was a real consequence for the fact that he went back in time was that he lost his father, um, and and to see something like that, um, as as the series went on, maybe, um, maybe even the creation of the evil Superman or something, something like that, if mm. you could tie it mm. in, um, but overall, no, I, I don't have it's it's such a classic film for me now, and it's such a part of my yeah. DNA that I I don't have an issue with it anymore. I'm 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 kind of with with you as well, Alan. I um I I did have an issue with it as a kid, definitely. It did bother me, and and. But now um, it, it, it's like definitely one of Christopher Reeve's best acting moments in the movie, that kind of primal scream, he lets out. And then even just that, you, you, you kind of like, as he's flying around the world, you, you get the impression that he is actually struggling. Like he's pushing himself harder yeah. than he ever has. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even with the 70s effects, it's like, it's it's cool. Like it's a cool visual. John Williams is at an all time high. I love the love theme in Superman the movie, like more than anything. The only thing that really does bother me about it, as you said, Alan, is there's no consequence to it. We're like we're told repeatedly yeah. throughout the movie, it's forbidden for you to interfere with human history, and then it's just fine when he does. <laughs> Nothing goes wrong. Everything's kind of cool. And I think um, I was listening to Zach talk about this on Always Hold On to Smallville as well. There, there, there was someone pitched a version of the movie. I, I don't know, was it like a fan or something wanted Warner Brothers to recut the t- the first two movies? And one of their ideas was that him flying around the world. What? would be the thing that makes the phantom zone explode oh yeah what um i i i, I always thought that would be kind of a kind of a fun idea but uh it didn't go that way but i i ultimately i i do think it's it's really cool it's a cool visual and again it's okay for things to have flaws and if it is a flaw in a movie it's at least it's a charming one so absolutely we'll have to get you we'll have to get you back on matt to talk about superman returns i, I had no idea you were a massive fan of superman returns so. oh huge like like religious awakening watching that movie wow. as a kid. So well love, what we can love what we can do that. is we can have you and we can have rob and i can act as the as the go-between because uh, <laughs> rob is the total no, opposite I, of that. I, I i don't perfect I, that sounds great. I, I don't hate superman returns but i just have strong feelings on it like i do about everything um but yeah i think that about wraps us up alan does it yeah, 100%. Matt, um, where are we going to find you? Where can, where can people listen to you? Where can people find you? Similarly in Metropolis in 1995 right now, um, talking about Lois and Clark on Lois and Clark, the new podcast of Superman. You both have lent your voices, as you said earlier, to it. Um, and you'll be you'll be recurring guests now until until we end. Um, but that's, that's me. And then um, also, again... Shout out to Zach Moore, Always Hold On to Smallville. I'm on there a lot. And on his Patreon, we're doing Always Hold On to the Flash, which is the 
1990 to 1991 John Wesley ship. The real series. flash. We're doing one awesome. of those a month. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, Matt, just uh, before we finish up, I just want to say thanks a million as well because uh, to be honest, without you, I, I don't think uh, All Star Superfan would have existed if it wasn't for you inviting me on to do the Tempest Fugitive episode and really giving me a, a taste of of what it's like to podcast and, and giving me hunger for it. I definitely don't think that I, me and Rob would have would have would have done this podcast. Um, so not only have I been listening to your free content for years, but uh, you, you've basically uh, been the reason that that we're here today. So I just want to say, on a personal level, I just want to say thanks for that. Oh, that that's that's very sweet. And uh, when when we were when my podcast was down for so long, and it, for reasons that we won't get into, um, uh, you know, you guys were were big fans and and supportive, and always trying to get us kind of back in front of the microphone. So like that, type, knowing that people were listening and cared is really what what brought it back so um so thank you guys that's that's Very lovely nice. thank, thanks to me matt everybody you can again uh facebook and instagram we're at all-star superfan and on twitter we're at all-star super pod um do you want to do the sign off rob um i, I put him on the forgetting spot what there. it is uh <laughs> if 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 ever you need us just look up stay or safe. just look us up i'd never remember never mind stay well safe done. stay super and uh, take care bye bye everyone